What a beautiful morning the Lord has given us. Amen? Amen. Special welcome to all of you, especially those of you visiting with us today. Oh, man, 80-something degrees out right now. Give me a break. I want spring back. Oh. I'm like, I'm like a snowman. I feel like I'm melting. I, I need more Minnesota. <laughs> All right, well, wouldn't you believe it? We are still in the season of Easter, so if I were to yell out, Jesus is risen, I'm going to ask that you yell out, Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. So Jesus is risen? Amen. Whew. We'll be celebrating Holy Communion this morning, so hopefully you received a communion kit on your way in. If you didn't, please let the ushers know or wave your hands and I'll make sure you get one. Also, those of you joining us at home, you can get some bread and wine or grape juice out following our time of confession. A uh, couple announcements this morning. We have a guest preacher this morning. Y'all get a break from me. How wonderful is that? But uh, we are uh, delighted to share with you uh, CJ, who is uh, currently a seminarian and uh, just an amazing leader and advocate through Living Water Ministries here in the state of Michigan. He'll tell you more about that when he comes up. Uh, our amazing praise band is putting on a concert this Friday called Amplify. Yes! Well, so, yeah. here's the deal. Make plans to be here. Support this amazing group, whether you're a member here or not. And, uh, you know, bring some friends. Connect with families and friends. I mean, what a great opportunity to get together and just praise our God and, and have a wonderful night, right? Yeah. 7 o'clock. No fees. It's, yeah, 7 o'clock. No, no cost. You can't beat that. Yeah, you, you, it's hard. It's yeah. hard to beat that. Yeah. I mean, maybe we can put a potluck together. I mean, that would be the only way you could beat that. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> Open bar. Open bar Open and bar, a potluck. But, you know, yes. You know, you know. Love it. Uh, last announcement. Um, the, we're having a Bible study start this Wednesday night on the book of Ruth, which is an amazing book. Uh, I think it's four weeks, maybe five, but uh, um, join us either in person or online this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, with all that said... I'm going to invite you to stand as you are able as we join our voices. Jesus is risen. Jesus is alive. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, you teach us that without love, our actions gain nothing. Pour into our hearts your most excellent gift of love, that made alive by your Spirit we may know goodness and peace. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And all of God's people say, Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. The Holy Gospel today comes from John chapter 13. And uh, here we go. When he had gone out... Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also 
should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The Gospel of our Lord. Well, again, good morning. My name is C.J. Clark. I'm Executive Director of Living Water Ministries, and I'm thankful to be here this morning speaking with all of you and all of you at home. And uh, just very grateful to be here. Living Water Ministries, if you're not familiar with what it is we do and who we are, we are essentially the camp organization of the ELCA here in the Lower Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, And so Living Water Ministries operates a summer camp on the west side of the state. We all do the hand thing, right? So over here, about a half an hour north of Muskegon, real close to Lake Michigan. The lake we're on actually channels out to Lake Michigan. Uh, And so that's where I have lived and worked since 2005. Uh, I've been a, a camper and a counselor and now a full-time employee at this camp. It has been a huge part of my life. And so I stand before you, for better or worse, you can judge the f- efficacy of this, but as a product of what we produce. So you judge at the end of the sermon whether that was something I should have said or not. Uh, Living Water Ministries, when, when you, if you've ever been to summer camp, we do what you imagine it is, right? It's a week-long experience where kids go and they have a lot of fun and they grow in relationship with, with another and they learn about God and they sing some songs and they swim and they do all the classic camp stuff. We also have a lot of other things we do. Uh, and so at camp, we have a week that's specific. Not only We have a bunch of weeks for kids from congregations like King of Kings, but we have a week that's specific for children in foster care a week that's uh, specific for families experiencing homelessness, a week that's specific for adults with developmental disabilities. We have a week uh, for high school youth training to be leaders that trains them as anti-racists and as people of faith. We have a week that's a multicultural youth leadership academy. And both our, our anti-racism program and that multicultural week are national programs where people are coming in from all over the country to be a part of a diverse community that digs into what it means to live into this life we have and this call to be a place for all of God's children, uh, which is core to our mission. This summer, uh, we also are offering camp for free for everybody. Nobody's paying a fee to come to camp at all. Uh, And that's a huge uh, way that we're trying to live into our mission of being for all of God's children. And in this uh, pandemic time, we've been closed two summers. This is our first summer back since 2019, 2019. And, uh, and we built a cabin. We built a new building in that time, too. So we're investing in the facility, and there's just a really strong promise of hope and future at, at Living Water Ministries. So, uh, and you guys got lots of kids coming to camp, so that's pretty cool. So, yeah. So in this, in this gospel lesson, I want to talk a little bit this morning about this gospel lesson and tie that into the camp experience. And part of how I want to do that is just ask the question, Does anybody else feel like the world's just a giant mess right now? (laughs) Or is that just me? It doesn't sound like it. It feels like conflict abounds just about everywhere I turn these days. There's just so much division. We seem obsessed with picking our side in a myriad of conflicts. We want to know if a person is Democrat or Republican. We want to know if a person is, supports Blue Lives Matter or Black Lives Matter. We want to know if a person is pro-life or pro-choice. We want to know if a person is for the COVID vaccine or against the COVID vaccine. We want to know if a person is for or against equal rights for members of the LGBTQIA community. We want to know what side of the debate a person is on in regards to how the United States should deal with its southern border. We want to know all these things and more so we can determine the value of other people we encounter. We seem caught up in trying to figure out 
who around us can't be trusted. We seem caught up trying to identify who around us is our enemy. We seem caught up turning people into others so that it's easier for us to dismiss them or so that we can even justify hating them. In this gospel reading from John chapter 13, Jesus has something to say about our tendency toward conflict and division. And the way he addresses it is relatively unique for Jesus. It's unique because when Jesus is asked a question or when Jesus is teaching, he doesn't always do so directly or succinctly. Often Jesus answers questions with questions or responds with a story. Sometimes it can feel like Jesus takes the long way to get to the point, and sometimes there is confusion about what he was saying and what it all means. But in today's gospel lesson, Jesus is crystal clear. He leaves no room for misinterpretation when he states, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. To rephrase this, Jesus is telling us that whatever rules or guidelines we were using in our lives, that he has a new one. This new rule is establishing, that Jesus is establishing is that we love each other, period. No frills on that. And if this rule isn't clear enough by itself, Jesus adds another layer of clarity by stating not only are we to love each other, but we are to love each other the way he loves us. And loving each other the way Jesus loves us is the way that we show that we are his disciples. Loving others with grace, mercy, forgiveness, and sacrifice the way Jesus loves us is the way we show the world we are people of faith. Not a lot of wiggle room there. It's pretty clear. And this new commandment, this new rule Jesus is giving us this morning leaves absolutely no room for the types of conflict, division, hate, and othering many of us find ourselves caught up in these days. Yet these behaviors are incredibly hard to shake. There's something about this tendency toward conflict and division that feels almost hardwired into our DNA. To get at this destructive tendency towards conflict and division we find within ourselves and to get at this clarity about love that Jesus is communicating to us this morning, I want to tell you a story from camp, but it's a story I don't always feel the most comfortable telling anyway. I used to say that I don't normally tell, but I've actually been telling it a lot more lately, so... But in order for me to tell it, I'm going to need you to remember one very important thing. And that one very important thing is that this story took place 25 years ago. 25 years ago, things didn't always conform to the same nationally accredited practices and procedures that we stringently follow today at camp. I was also not executive director 25 years ago, and I'm going to want you to remember that. I was a member of summer staff at Stony Lake. I was a cabin counselor specifically. I was 21, and I need you to remember that my brain was not fully developed yet. So hold on to all this in your mind as we travel together 25 years into the past to the summer of 1997. As I said, I was 21 years old. It was my first summer working at camp, and I was a cabin counselor. And each week I was tasked with caring for the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of approximately 10 middle school-aged boys who would stay in my cabin. And each week it was awesome watching them grow And I was so moved and humbled by the faith they shared in our nightly devotions that it literally changed the course of my life. I would not be standing here before you today had it not been for the kids in my cabin 
and the way each week we shared and explored what it means to be people of faith together. But not every week of camp was smooth sailing. The range of maturity found in a cabin of 6th to 8th grade middle school boys can create quite a chasm between the youngest member and the oldest member of that group. And on one particular week in the summer of 1997, 25 years ago, this wide spectrum of maturity resulted in a situation I will carefully refer to as an episode. At the time, 25 years ago, there was about 45 minutes each morning when campers would be sent back to their cabin unsupervised for cabin cleanup time while the summer staff met with the director for a daily camp meeting. Rest assured, this does not occur anymore. However, during this unsupervised window 25 years ago, it got into the mind of the oldest boy in my cabin, a mature 8th grader named Mike, that it would be a good idea to pick on Tommy, a fairly immature 6th grader, by hitting him across the back with a belt. While this episode happened in the morning, I didn't learn about it until later in the evening as our cabin, along with other cabins, was waiting for the bus to take us to Lake Michigan for an evening of programming on the beach. Tommy was sitting with some other kids who were not in our cabin, and he was crying. I approached him, asked him what was wrong, and, share, and he shared with me that what had occurred earlier that morning, naming Mike as the person who had harmed him. I asked him if I could see his back, and he lifted up his shirt, revealing a red mark where the belt had struck him. And in that moment, I was a very, very special kind of angry. I made a beeline for Mike, who was standing nearby with some friends, Again, Mike was a, a mature eighth grader, and he was fairly tall, and I remember pulling him aside, looking him square in the eye, and with an intimidating tone, asking him if he had been the one that hit Tommy with the belt. He was caught off guard, and I think gripped with a healthy dose of fear, and unsure of what else to do, he responded. He said, uh, yes. And this confession stoked the angry fires already burning within me, and I responded with the only question I could think to ask, which was, are you cool? To which Mike quickly responded by nervously declaring, No! And then I, my blood was boiling and I looked him straight in the eyes and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do with you, but you're not going to like it. And then I just walked away. Now please remember, this was 25 years ago. I was 21. My brain was not fully developed. I was not the executive director. We train our staff very differently these days. The bus arrived. It took all of us who were waiting to Lake Michigan, and all the campers had a beautiful evening on the beach, filled with games, a campfire, and snacks. I spent the time mostly fuming, trying to figure out what I was going to do about this episode. As I considered what my course of action would be, I realized that while Mike was the one that struck Tommy with the belt, the entire cabin had been present, and not one of them stepped up to stop what was happening. So as we waited for the bus to arrive to take us back to camp at the end of the evening, I pulled the cabin together without Tommy present, informed them that I was aware of what had happened, told them that while Mike had done it, they were all responsible for letting it happen, and that we would be going back to camp, skipping devotions, getting ready for bed, going to bed early, and that the next day they would all have to stay in the cabin for the three-hour afternoon programming block, missing swimming and all sorts of activities in the afternoon as a consequence. And then as we rode back to camp on the bus, I realized... These are middle school boys. They don't really like devotions, so it's more of a punishment to do a devotion. So I decided to stick with my devotion plan for that night, one I had already chosen ahead of them even coming. It was just our normal Monday night devotion. And so we read together a reading from Romans chapter 12, 
And that reading included these words. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that, you can, that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That next morning, Tommy's pastor, who had been informed of everything that had been going on, he approached me with the news that he had just received word that Tommy's beloved grandmother had passed away. He was going to share this news with Tommy, and he let me know that Tommy would likely be going home from camp early to be with his family as a result. But the pastor found me a little later, after talking to Tommy, and he informed me that Tommy, this kid who had been bullied the day before in my cabin, struck with a belt, singled out, humiliated, now grieving the loss of his grandmother, given the opportunity to go home, decided to stay at camp. And honestly, Tommy's decision didn't make sense to me. Tommy responded to being bullied, humiliated, and grieving with an act of love and forgiveness and trust that I was not ready to witness 25 years ago at the age of 21 with my undeveloped brain. Such an act was counter to the way I understood the world to work. The act, when, when, uh, when Tommy, when the world, when this kind of stuff happens, the world really only offers two options, retaliation or retreat. And Tommy chose neither, and instead chose love and forgiveness. This act of love, forgiveness, and trust did not reflect this tendency toward conflict and division we find in the world. But Tommy instead went doubled down on this love Jesus is trying to tell us about this morning. While the other boys in the cabin were serving their three-hour banishment from camp activities and swimming... I spoke with them candidly about what had happened with Tommy's grandmother and informed them of Tommy's decision to stay despite what they had done to him. And I'd like to think that the love and forgiveness Tommy chose changed them because the rest of the week, this cabin of boys rallied together, including Tommy, and became a tight-knit community. They became siblings, yoked together by a love for one another that is rooted in God's love for us all. There was no more bullying. In fact, I was informed by a fellow camp counselor that my cabin had come over to his cabin during that unsupervised time uh, to stop some bullying they heard about happening there. The love and forgiveness Tommy chose changed things. It changed our entire cabin, and it even changed how things were going in other cabins. The love and forgiveness Tommy chose reveals to me a deeper truth about who we are as people and as God's children. And that truth is that our DNA is not hardwired with conflict and division, but rather our DNA is hardwired with peace and unity, and that we are called to pursue that peace and unity with one another through the power of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. The world feels like a giant mess these days, but into that giant mess, Jesus is speaking a word of love that is crystal clear. 
And that word of love has the capacity to change everything. So may we all be like Tommy. May we be reflections of Christ's world-changing love through the ways we commit ourselves to loving each other, to loving all people, so that we might show the world that we are indeed disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now let's just take a moment right now and, and, and pray. Heavenly Father, we can't thank you enough for the gift of today, not only a beautiful day of your creation, but Lord, just a wonderful moment to be together as a family of faith, whether we're here in person or online or hearing this later in the week, Lord, you're drawing us together in a, in a country and in a place where we can worship you freely and not have to worry about repercussions. And Lord, we just ask that you inspire us to use said freedom to share your love this week. To think of a person either in our family or in our neighborhood or our coworkers or just maybe someone that we're not familiar with but we know about or, or someone we might meet for the first time this week, Lord, and we just inspire us, send us your spirit to be love in their midst. To set aside all those thoughts that cause us to divide ourselves and instead focus on what we have in common. Instead focus on your commandment for us today. That despite our differences, despite the mess of this world, we are to love one another. Will that be easy? Never. (laughs) But yet that is your desire for us to share the love you have so freely given us, even though we don't deserve it either. So encourage us, empower us, lead us into not only experiencing your love, but being willing to share it this week. We ask all this in your holy and precious name, and all of God's people say, Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able. Set free from captivity to sin and death, we pray to the God of resurrection for the church, for people in need, and for all of creation. At the end of each prayer, I will say, Lord, in your mercy, please respond with here or prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, lead us to follow your spirit rather than our own prejudices or desires as the church cares for one another. Open us to perceive your gifts in those we least expect. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Inspire us to praise you through the beauty and majesty of the natural world around us, especially our great lakes. Urge us toward more deliberate care of the world you have made. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Humble the rulers of nations before your splendor. Direct them to the people who need their attention most and turn them from the temptation to hoard wealth or power. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hasten to dwell among those who are in pain or who are in need of you, especially those in Buffalo today, as once again we mourn the loss of lives 
to terrible violence and racism. And those that we name now, either silently or out loud. For Jane. As Christ enters our deepest suffering, remain with those experiencing despair and great need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Place holy love at the center of all of our relationships and communities. By your love, heal us, convict us, and renew us. Bring an end to racism in our churches and in our communities. Let everyone know your goodness by the love we show one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Since we have such great hope in your promises, O God, we lift these and all of our prayers to you in confidence and in faith as we now pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. I invite you to take out your communion kits, or for those of you at home, to grab some bread and some wine or grape juice as we prepare ourselves to receive the gifts of Jesus Christ. I invite you to start by taking the bread out. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it's given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me, the body of Christ given for you. Amen. And again after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks, and he gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, and it's shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this. For the remembrance of me, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you today and keep you always in God's grace and all of God's people say, Amen. And finally, it's important that we uh, ask for your financial support this morning. None of our ministries and amazing work God does through King of Kings is possible without your generosity. I need to share something with you. Uh, I received an email earlier I've shared with our council and uh, our, our leaders here of someone who was considering ending their life before worshiping with us just recently. And it changed their life. They mentioned how they felt like they had a new purpose, that God was calling them to something greater, that, that made a di- they made a difference in someone else's life. And because of that, they just they really experienced the Holy Spirit and God moving in their life. So however you support King of Kings, just know that it's truly made a difference in people's lives. And it really has humbled me knowing that on any given Sunday... Right? The power of God's love can totally transform someone's life from seeing no hope to being filled with lots of hope. So just know that you're all a part of that 
And however you support us today, whether it's mailing online or, or mailing a check or dropping off the offering in the bucket, just know it's making a difference in people's lives. Amen? Amen. Uh, so finally, may you receive this blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. With that, I invite you to stand as you are able as we lift our voices in our final song of praise for Jesus is risen, Jesus is alive. Don't let those just stay words on a screen this week, right? Let us rise to the opportunity to share God's love. With all that said, people of God, may you go in peace and share that good news. Thanks be to God. And we uh, humbly ask you to uh, join us this Friday for a, a little bit of music and fellowship at 7 o'clock.